What's up, guys? It's Avery Carl from The Short Term Show doing the intro for the Panhandle of Florida. We are doing a 10-episode deep dive on two markets here, both the Emerald Coast and the Forgotten Coasts of Florida, which basically makes up the entire Florida Panhandle. So 10-episode deep dive here. We are going to add quarterly updates, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. We also have some supplemental materials for you guys on our website. So anything you need to know about current short-term rental property pricing in terms of how much it costs to buy a property in these markets. You can find that on our website at theshorttermshop.com. You can also find current AirDNA income data thanks to our friends over at, you guessed it, AirDNA. And uh, we've got all that for you guys so that you can listen to this at any point in time and go find live pricing and live income data. Also, if you guys want to buy a short-term rental investment with a short-term shop agent on the Emerald or Forgotten Coast, you can just email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we will get you hooked up. These are two of my very favorite beach markets, by the way. I've chosen to live in the Emerald Coast. I also invest in the Emerald and Forgotten Coast, so very near and dear to my heart. Also, if you guys just have more questions and you want to chat about short-term rentals, we've created a, an amazing community over on Facebook with over 50,000 short-term rental investors just talking shop all day. It's got the same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. So head over there to chat more about short-term rentals. And if you want to chat live on Zoom, we've got a call every Thursday that you can join at strquestions.com. Happy investing, y'all. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the Emerald and Forgotten Coast of the Short-Term Shop Special Episode Series. Today, we're talking about common management occurrences. So common things that happen in these markets as you go along managing your property. So things that are going to happen often or sometimes that you're going to have to work around. So we're going to go over a few of those things. I uh, got a great panel here to help us. First, we have January Johnson. January, everybody knows who you are, but go ahead and intro yourself anyway. All right, January Johnson. I am the longest running Airbnb host in the city of Panama City. I own and self-manage four short-term rental properties and I'm a community leader for Airbnb. And I sell everything between Panama City Beach and Navarre Beach on the Emerald Coast. Thank you very much. Next, we have Pete Apizado. Pete, how's it going? Very good. Very good. Uh, Pete Apizzato here. I'm a local agent here in the Destin market. I've had Airbnb since 2010. Um, and I cover basically from Destin all the way to Panama City Beach. All right. And next we have the infamous Chuck Kramer. Infamous. Okay. I'm not a real estate agent, uh, but I've bought and sold over 60 homes in my life. So I, I have a little experience at it. Uh, have a Short-term rentals here in the Destin area, Miramar Beach, as well as up in Gatlinburg, but uh, also live here. So good perspective. All right. And next we have Mr. Luke Carl. Also live here and it is beautiful. Um, and uh, I've taught over 10,000 people how to uh, self-manage their short-term rental from a distance. And i um, happy to be here financially free since uh, 2018. Thanks, Luke. All right. So let's talk about some of the common things that we deal with as managers and investors in this market. So who wants to bring up the first topic? Yeah, I, well, I mean, when people think of Florida, the first thing they think of is probably hurricanes. 
tropical weather. Um, you know, we, we do have to deal with those. And, and the, uh, uh, the thing about that is the hype often starts a week or maybe even two weeks ahead of time, uh, depending on what news channels you listen to. Um, and it doesn't even have to affect this area. Uh, anything that hits Florida in general is going to have an effect on the whole state, even if all it does is drive people to our area. Uh, you got to make sure you have evacuation plans ready for your guests. And uh, of course, there's all the preparation you need to do to the homes when storms are headed straight toward you. Uh, it's a pretty big issue. Something you have to be prepared for. You can't wing it. Well, I think that's that's with anything and any market and any topic when it comes to management is preparation in advance. You know, being a good host is just being prepared in advance and anticipating any issue that comes up and planning for it in advance, not when it actually happens. Mm-hmm. Very true. I think one of the common misconceptions is that hurricanes happen all the time here. And I mean, I've been living back in Florida. I'm from Panama City and I've been living back here for seven years and we've had one. So um, it does not happen all the time. There are tropical storms. Sometimes it's just wind and rain. Um, but people get people who don't know about these things get really upset and worked up and fearful of them. And really the chances of them happening are low. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared. That doesn't mean they don't happen. Um, but you have insurance. And when you have insurance, then if any damage just becomes a project that you have to manage. It's not the end of the world. It's not Armageddon. You got to be good with your yes communication. Um, yeah. It's not, even beforehand. It's hard for people to understand how big Florida really is. Um, you know, if we weren't a peninsula sort of shaped state, we'd probably be uh, uh, the largest state in the country. You know, if you just went straight down and over and made a box out of us, carved out the Gulf, we'd be bigger than Texas. So hurricanes can hit somewhere and have absolutely zero effects somewhere else. And January, you're right. It it doesn't. Just because a, a hurricane hits Florida doesn't mean that it hits this part of Florida. Uh, I've been here since 2012, and um, where I came from in the mid-Atlantic, we had more hurricanes than we've had here. On the other hand, I do remember 2004, where we had 12. So, <laughs> um, Well, I'm from the Midwest, and <laughs> I am scared to death of these damn things. Um, a tornado, no, no big deal. I would sit in my front yard drinking beer, but... Uh, I, I am I am definitely scared of them, and Avery sleeps right through them. Um, so perspective is huge. Uh, you know where I come from. Uh, you've got uh, tornadoes and hail and snakes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Avery's uh, scared of all three of those. Well, of course, her her school did get hit by a tornado when she was a kid. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean it, it is uh, it is not fun for me. I I see that the there uh, one on the, in the Gulf, uh, a little storm brewing, and I am like I'm out, man. I don't I don't like it. Uh, so it it is a thing, I guess. And uh, you just got to pr- hope and pray that uh, everything stays safe. And these are the same issues in every market. Uh, I've got properties in in the Midwest for wh- where I'm from. I've got a lot of property in my hometown. And snow, snowstorm comes in and all my roofs are a mess, you know, um, hailstorm comes through and all my roofs are a mess. So it's, uh, it's just part of it. And, and uh, it happens in every market. Um, nature happens in every market. It's just a different type of nature. Uh, we don't have snow down here. So that's very nice. We don't have snow plows, which means we have really nice roads because snow plows tear the hell out of a road. 
uh, and we don't have to worry about that, you know? So, um, uh, I don't know that it's any worse than any other part of the country. It's just different. Yep. I mean, and for example, you know, here we're, we're prepared for hurricanes or we, we, the anticipation of them coming is a thing, but in other markets like Jersey, for example, about 10 years ago or so where I'm from Jersey, um, we had hurricane Sandy, you know, and that was completely unexpected. And the level of destruction was completely unexpected. So I think it's actually better to be in a market where you anticipate something like that happen as opposed to not. Well, let's talk about the fear of hurricanes. So you guys are right. Like hurricanes, every time they come in the Gulf of Mexico, everyone thinks that that, that they're hitting us every time that happens. A lot of times they dissipate. A lot of times they hit Texas. A lot of times they hit South Florida, Louisiana. They don't always, you know, every time you see the word hurricane on the news does not mean it's hitting this area. Uh, but we our guests with our guests, just like with people who may or may not want to invest here, they don't know that. So sometimes they get scared of hurricanes. So what happens when there's a hurricane in the Gulf? Usually this happen. It doesn't happen in the high season. It happens just after hurricane season technically starts. What is it? June 1st? My birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> hurricane season starts June 1st, but we typically don't see much about it until like September-ish, August, September. So by then you're mostly through the high season, but there are times when your guests are going to see that on the news and say, hey, I think I want to cancel because there's a hurricane in the Gulf. So how are we handling that? So there's a couple of different things related to this. Um, I, I want to distinguish bad rain from tropical storm or hurricane because sometimes I have guest inquiries and they want to cancel because of an actual thunderstorm. Okay, well, we don't cancel reservations because of weather, um, you know, unless it's severe weather and there is actual danger. And we're in a drive-to market, so a lot of people have to drive here from somewhere else, and they might be driving through an area that might be dangerous for them, but that doesn't mean it's that danger is here. So um, I know for Airbnb and the other agencies will work with you on, you know, is it really a, a threatening, you know, something dangerous physically, or is it just bad weather? So we have to distinguish between that, first of all. I just wanted to say that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's multiple ways. I mean, there, there's no, I don't think there's like, hey, here's your checklist for managing this type of thing. I think that there, different managers can have different uh, ways of doing it. And I'll, I'll be happy to give you a quick rundown of what I do. I, I have in my listings, no refunds for weather. That's all of all my listings. doesn't matter what town it's in. Although I am, uh, I've gotten older. Um, I'm pretty cool about giving refunds. Um, I just don't want them coming into this thinking that it's, you know, like, hey, I can just get out of this whenever I want. You know, so I promise over deliver. I, I am not promising you anything. Um, matter of fact, you're not getting a refund. Uh, but when it actually happens, happens, I uh, if it happens, I do deliver, um, and 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 it really doesn't even have to happen. Quite frankly, uh, it's going to be a case by case scenario. How close is this storm to the home, um, and how freaked out are these people, and how uh, how far are they traveling through said storm, or maybe even another storm to get to the property? Uh, is their flight canceled? Things like that. In most cases, I will just go ahead and go ahead and, uh, full refund um, because uh, you know karma is a big deal. I've been doing this a long time and. Um, over the course of, uh, you know, a large spread of time on a spreadsheet. I mean, what's, however much money that was versus the happiness of, of people and safety of, of people. Right. So, um, and, and if, if the, if the people are happy and safe, 
you will, uh, I, in my opinion, you'll, you'll make uh, triple the money over time. And, uh, and, and so I'm making that sound really nice and sweet, but I'll be honest, it, it, be, it came from a pain in my ass. <laughs> you get to the point where you're sitting there trying to protect this money and not cancel these reservations so many times that it just is, a, it's a time suck. And eventually I grew up, um, I looked at, I can now, I can now I'm in a position where I can look at my portfolio as a whole, as, as instead of every single freaking dollar and, and, and really look at it like, what's the best for everybody here? It's going to take me a lot of time and money to tell these people no. And, you know, uh, it's better for the universe to just go ahead and give the refund. So I tell them no. And I, I give, I, I, I basically go back on my word and go ahead and give full refunds quite frequently. Uh, you know, not frequently. I know that's a terrible way to put it, but if it happens, if it comes up, I'm usually the first one to just say, you know what, here's your money back. No big deal. And again, I'd love to hear everybody else's way of handling it. There's, I, I don't think my way is the, the highway at all, uh, but it's just the way it works for me. No, I, I think you have to take every situation on a, on a case-by-case basis, because like you said, you know, um, you know, it is about karma too. You want to be a good host, but you know, let's be honest. Some people try to game the system in, in getting out of reservation. So it really has to be on a case-by-case basis. Um, and, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the guests. Like if, if you have to drive through a storm, you know, I don't want to put someone in harm's way. Well, and there's the other part of it too. If, even if they get here, you may end up be, you know, dealing with a guest who's in a home without power stores may be closed. Um, you know, if communications are down, that means credit card machines aren't working at gas stations. You have a whole nother set of logistics involving the guests to deal with. Yeah. So that needs to be part of the decision too. Yes. And uh, sometimes you got to let them know that this is happening because uh, a lot of times guests won't even look, you know, they're coming in from somewhere else. This isn't any market. Again, we're not super market specific here. It could be a snowstorm in the Smokies or wherever, which is very rare, <laughs> probably more rare. It was about as, about as equal to a hurricane probably, um, but a uh, hurricane in Florida. Uh, sometimes you have to be proactive and say, oh man, there's a damn storm out there. This one's looking pretty bad because your guests a lot of times won't even look or care. They're just planning on their vacation and making sure they got their sunscreen and packing the car and they have no idea that there's a storm three hours away, you know? So, um, a lot of times I'll be like, Hey, uh, you know, if it gets bad, like a, like a, a cat four out there or something like that, I'll say, Hey, you know, there's a storm out there. Do you get, were you guys aware of this? And they'll be like, Oh no, we were not. And, yeah. um, because if they show up and that happens to them and they didn't know, then you got a real problem on your hands. So, um, as part of that, that's why we emphasize early on with booking travel insurance. You know, that's a big piece of this for peace of mind for us, as well as for the guest. So, and how do I, how do I facilitate that? And just so everybody, if anybody's interested, I don't do that, but Chuck, I know you do. So how do you facilitate? Well, uh, the, the, the PMS we use, uh, we can offer it through there, but I think it's uh, insuremystay.com is a, a website that just has a whole bunch of different options and providers. And we push people there as well as telling them to Google it. Uh, you know, we don't want to get involved between them and the insurance carrier where you want to be a part of that transaction, but we let them know it's easily available and it's not very expensive. Now, the last time that I checked on Airbnb and Verbo, uh, just a few weeks ago, they seem to now be offering that option on checkout too. So either they're doing it themselves or they've teamed up with somebody. 
And I'd like to say that in nine years of managing properties, I've probably had to refund or cancel a guest three times. I mean, it's, it's not that frequent for me. It has not been. Yeah, I would agree. Um, not common at all, but when it does come up, you know, that's another reason like, Hey, you sit there, but this doesn't happen very often. What's going to be the least pain in my ass, (laughs) you know? And in in our case, where we have multiple properties in the same market, if it happens on one, we're going to be dealing with them all. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. So let's switch gears for a second. So other things that might show up in the news. So right now there's an article floating around about a 5,000 square mile clump of seaweed out there somewhere in the ocean. I don't even know if it's true or if it's for, <clears throat> excuse me, years ago. Yeah. Anyway, it's out there floating around and I see people asking about it on the 30A Facebook groups and stuff. Has the seaweed gotten there yet? Uh, so we do have seaweed sometimes because it is the ocean. And then another thing that people read about is red tide, which we don't get that much up here. That's more towards South Florida, but people will read about these things and then email you as a host and say, oh my gosh, is there red tide? Should I cancel? I'm going to cancel. Uh, so how do we handle that when, when that happens? Very the similar seaweed, to the storm thing. But When I saw that seaweed article, I automatically thought it was kind of I don't know if it's true or not, because I just imagine all these people flying in airplanes above and no one ever seeing it. So um, I don't know where that article came from, but it seems to me that it it not talked about enough if all these people flying over a 5,000 square foot blob. Well, and I want to talk about what actually happens on the beach because the sargassum seaweed is kind of a... Um, a more dense, it's not like that floaty kind. And, and when it washes up, we have beach seaweed, beach services that come and and bulldoze it away. So it's not like it's piling up on the beach and stinking and there's dead fish. It's not like that. I mean, there's, there's seaweed that washes up. I mean, yes, it's in the water a little bit, so that might impact some of your swimming, but it's not any dangerous thing. And it's not some gross, disgusting mess on the beach. And at night, you know, big tractors push it away and clean it up. That's what we pay taxes and and you know, that's what the services do. So we we handle that. We've been a beach for a long, long time. <laughs> we know how to how to manage that. And the beach is the main source of revenue. So yeah. they're gonna take care of it. And our beaches are beautiful. I mean, it's pretty rare that I go to the beach and see anything that bothers me or makes me uncomfortable. It, these beaches are I mean, just to reiterate for anybody that's never been here, <laughs> good luck finding a better beach. They are insane. Absolutely. When I moved here from Jersey, I I was awestruck at how beautiful the beaches are. Nothing close anywhere else that I've been to in the country. Not even close. Not even close. Every day, I just I'm so happy that I live here and I work here. And I just can't <laughs> believe too. it. I'm always posting pictures. I live here. I live here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned red tide. That's another. That's yeah. a whole different thing. Uh, and I don't really know that much about it, but I did, and I'll let Jan take that. But we don't get it very often here. Like I have a friend. I have a friend that lives down near Tampa. It's guaranteed every year comes in for a certain amount of time and it's always the same time of year, give or take, and they plan ahead for it. And he's always planning to go ahead and refund folks uh, for red tide. Cause it does get really nasty and it smells bad. But if Jan, if you want to elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, are there occasionally a few dead fish on the beach? Yes, it's the beach, but it's not the red tide of central and South Florida that, that people hear about. As a matter of fact, I've never had that. I've never seen a big incident of that. Um, and I'm sure somebody can Google and prove me wrong. But the the point is that I don't live in fear and I'm a native here. So, yeah, we had it last year. 
Uh, we had it last year, which the beaches still looked amazing, but it did smell a little funky for a couple of days. It wasn't like like Central Florida where it gets, I mean it gets pretty nasty there. Chuck, what is red tide exactly? Do you have a de- a, di- a dictionary definition of it? Um, I don't have a perfect one, but it's basically a mix of algae and bacteria in the water uh, that comes from over oxygenation. So. Um, is one of the concerns about that large seaweed patch was that may actually lead to a, a larger red tide this year. Um, we do have it here, uh, maybe a week or two um, on a regular basis. And the issue isn't so much the water or, or the beach as it is the air. Um, people with asthma or respiratory diseases can really be affected by it. Um, I am, unfortunately. Uh, and I spend a lot of time at the beach. <laughs> So I can, I, I'm a good indicator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of a sudden you're coughing and you don't really know why. That's it exactly. Yep. So if Chuck is worried, he's the canary in the coal mine. If Chuck, if Chuck is worried about it and coughing, then then we should be worried. But other, other than that, move along. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I will say one. You know, as a, as a host though, one thing I've done in all my homes is uh, put a, uh, air filters in, air purifiers. You know, they're inexpensive. Um, and it just gets rid of that problem if it pops up. I mean, people have a safe place they can stay without worrying about uh, any outside issues. Um, they hardly require any care. They're quiet. They sit in a corner. Sometimes guests don't even know they're there. It's been one of the best investments I've ever made in my places. Is it actually red? The, the tide? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, if you're looking at an aerial picture, it will be reddish. Mm-hmm. So. There's an episode of that 90s version of the Little Mermaid TV show about red tide. That's where I learned about that. I remember watching that when I was a kid. (laughs) Anyway, so um, what do we do if like a guest gets here and they go out there and there's June grass? So June grass is the kind of slimy green floaty seaweed and they want a refund because there's June grass out there. Slimy floaty. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do if that happens. Somebody else better take that one. I mean, mother, you can't control mother nature. It's yeah. happened. Yeah. Good luck, our I mean, wonderful you, environment. <laughs> good luck finding another beach regardless. I mean, the whole beach could be covered in that shit. You're still not going to find a better beach. You know, I mean, exactly. I, I think you're, it's tough luck on that one for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, let's move on to something else. So other things that we, that a, a potential investor or owner here would be dealing with. So, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is pools and pool maintenance and things that you may need to deal with with guests and how you manage um, the pools. Yeah, the pools are very complicated at times, but uh, and I, I want to preface this conversation, which could end up being even longer than the hurricane thing, uh, uh, with the fact that I don't really spend much time on my pool. I have one uh, pool in this area. Uh, it's a large pool. It is in ground. It is. Uh, I have a liner pool, which is really actually fairly rare for the area. Most of them are going to be gunite or concrete uh, or tiled. Um, and um, uh, liner pools are easy. Uh, they're in more. They're in a, less expensive to install. <laughs> uh, so in other words, mine is maybe not as classy as the next guy's. Uh, but I do kind of like mine because I can swap the liner out pretty easily. If something weird happens, I can basically make it a brand new pool for a couple. You know, three grand. Um, and but that does need to be done regularly every five to 10 years. But, um, so first, I guess my point there is figure out what type of pool you're buying and figure out the nuances. Um, a gunite concrete tile pool from my experience, which is a zero is less maintenance than what I have. Um, and, but when it does need maintenance, maintenance at some point, then, you know, you're probably looking at a lo- larger expense than replacing a, a liner. 
Again, not a lot of liners in this area. I just don't think you're going to end up. I just I happen to buy the only one, I think. But uh, um, so the pool itself uh, is fairly um, easy in my experience. Anyway, I don't really think about mine too much. Uh, I do have my pool guy twice a week, uh, which is overkill. Uh, most people are going to do once a week. Pool, pool guys are very easy to find in the area. Um, I mean, they are everywhere. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to be good, though, or work well with you. I've had, I've gone through several to find one that I like, which just happens to be the same guy Chuck's using, which is a big company, actually, which normally I don't like big companies. But in this case, it works for me. Um, so uh, that's about the pool itself. Uh, you know, figure out uh, what it's made out of um, and what your deck is, that kind of thing. Um, you don't want it to be too slippery or anything like that. You know, obviously, liability, we should probably, I'll let Chuck get into that. Um, the pool is going to morph into many different subjects, which I already have written down here. But uh, Ch Chuck, can you cover some liability aspects of it? Well, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. The biggest one is uh, the deck around the pool. And you, know, you got to make sure it's got some kind of grip to it. Um, that's not as hard with concrete uh, or pavers in this area. Uh, but if you have if you're going to paint your concrete, it could be a big deal. You want to make sure you get the uh, the type that has a grip to it, uh, the built in sand. Or if you're going to use a wooden deck, it could even get a little bit tougher. Um, there are ways to protect that, including stain that has grip built into it. But you got to remember, it's almost always going to be wet when people are on it. So it's not how how uh, sturdy it is or, or how stable it is when it's dry. It's when it's wet. Yeah, I actually had a cut. Mine was concrete when I bought it. And I put I paved the driveway and the deck, the pool deck, which was a huge process. I had to get permits and everything. I did a flat smooth paver on the driveway and I did the same color um, with texture uh, on the, on the pool. And then I sealed it. You got to, you know, you got to uh, wash it and seal it every couple of years or every year if you want to. And I, uh, I used, they, you can buy, you can just get it at Lowe's or Home Depot. You can buy a little, it's like sandpaper grit that you throw into the sealer as you're, as you're, uh, before it dries, basically. It's very similar to if anybody has an epoxy uh, in their garage where they sprinkle, it almost looks like sprinkles, literally, of like paint chips on top to make it a little bit of a texture. It's kind of like that. Uh, at least that's what it reminded me of anyway. Um, uh, but Chuck, what do I need to do as far as insurance is concerned? Are there any, any concerns with having a pool there or, or liability as far as in insurance? Yeah, you're going to pay more for sure. And the insurance company is going to give you some requirements around a pool, such as... Uh, Plus, there's also um, local regulations, but one or the other is definitely going to require that you have some sort of access control, whether it's a locking gate or an alarm inside the home on the back door that, or any door that has access to the pool area. Because um, you don't want kids slipping out in the middle of the night, you know, a bunch of nine or 10 year olds saying, hey, let's go, let's go night swimming and then uh, get woken up by screams. <laughs> So those are requirements. And in, at least in my case, the insurance companies will send somebody to check it. Uh, it's funny, the city doesn't, but the insurance company will. The uh, pool alarms are not fun. I'm not going to lie. It is a part of management that you're going to have to deal with. Um, I, I, you have to maintain them. They're just a very simple little device that goes on the door. But they are the most annoying sound on the planet, and they are very loud. Uh, and to my knowledge, that's statewide. I think it's any anywhere in Florida. So you gotta you gotta make sure you're. I I put a QR code right next to it with a video saying this is exactly how this works. And no, we cannot disable it. Although they will try to disable it. So I've had um I've had some people do some fairly ingenious things to mine to turn it off. 
Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my thing there is just get upstream because when they, it's, it's rare for me to get that question anymore because mostly because I have that QR code. It's like super obvious. Like, dude, if this thing's annoying you, you it probably something to do with this QR code here, you know, let's check it out. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I, that's the only QR code I use other than a refrigerator magnet with my a guidebook in my home. Some people will put a, a QR code for, you know, TVs and, and coffee machines. I don't do that. Um, but, uh, the, the pool alarm is, I, I agree with my guests. It's annoying as hell. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do have small kids, so I want it there. You know, um, some little kid opens that door. It could be absolutely devastating. I've got a friend who's, a. He's on the fire department and my, my firehouse is two blocks from my house. And every time I see him, he's like, had to save another one out of the pool around the corner from your house the other day, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, uh, well, as long as you're not hearing about, are you hearing about my house? He's like, Nope, everything's cool at your house. We're good there. But, uh, you know, make sure all your, your, you know, it's, it's a thing. You gotta be very careful with, with, uh, with the swimming pool. It's very scary. Again, as a dad of super young kids my 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 kids would not know what to do you know if they mm-hmm. snuck out there and uh and it's, it's it is kind of scary so get your pool arms uh yeah. in order and there's some other things that uh some will be required and others are just a really good idea um you know the safety hook uh basically the long pole with the little shepherd's hook on the end of it so you can grab people out of course there's the uh, life-saving ring which a lot of people are going to end up using as a, a toy but these are still good things to have. Uh, in my case, my insurance company requires one of those. Went overboard and put both in. Um, but I, it also sends a message, I think, to the guests that you really care about their safety too. Yeah, and signage. Again, we're not here to offer any sort of legal advice. You have to check with your local, uh, you know, your local authorities, insurance company. Uh, and check with your lawyer how you want to get this stuff done. But uh, but yeah, I do have the the the, the ring. What's it called? A life ring. Life ring, yeah, and and I honestly I'm okay with they use it as a as a toy because it looks kind of fun, but it has to be put back when it's you know what I mean. It needs to mm-hmm. be where it needs to be. And I check, we check every turn, make sure that thing is where it's supposed to be. Um, and I have signage everywhere. I've got 15 signs back there. You know, I've I got signs inside. Uh, this you know this is what happens with the, these are the pool rules that kind of thing. Again, talk mm-hmm. to your lawyer about what they're going to expect as as far as signage is concerned. Yeah, and if you have a rental agreement. Uh, make sure your lawyer has drafted that liability section or, uh, um, you know, of the agreement and that you, you know, you have language elsewhere too. So you can't have it enough. I do that and I, and I get a signature on a rental agreement. Um, you know, makes me sleep a little better. All right, moving on. Let's talk about golf carts and, or bicycles and renting them to guests. Luke, you looked like you're about to say something. Golf carts are not for me. Um, I, I looked into it b- fairly heavily, um, and 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 basically, what I mean by that is, I read uh, a million Facebook group forum, you know, Facebook Facebook posts <laughs> about people that were doing it and not doing it, and I just decided it's not for me. Uh, this is illegal, and in, in our area, in a lot of these areas, uh, golf carts are street legal, so that that means they have a, a license plate, and it is a motorized, regular old car, basically with no <laughs> doors. Uh, and they only go 25 miles an hour if you're lucky. Um, it's really more like 18, you know. But uh, 
I just decided that, you know, I, I mean, I read a statistic one time recently. It was 86% of Americans admit that they drink to excess while on vacation. And I'm, I'm talking excess here, you know, yeah. uh, not Tuesday night happy hour. We're talking getting hammered on vacation. And I just don't want a motorized vehicle with my name and the registration and, and the license plate being driven by somebody who may or may not be drunk and from another area. Um, again, some of my enemies have them. Uh, not very many, uh, but some of them do. And, um, and, and so, you know, if you've got a system in place for that, I would, I would recommend sort of some sort of separate agreement specifically for the cart, um, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but again, I don't have one. My, I do own one. We have one at our own home. Uh, electric is the way to go. If I was going to do it, I think, because then otherwise your, your guests are always worried about filling it up with gas. And then you got another liability on your hands there. They got to take it to the gas station and stuff. So, um, I think electric's probably the way to go if you're going to do it and get a, get an agreement and make sure your insurance knows, both insurance, homeowners and your auto insurance knows exactly what you're doing there. Um, what I do is I just provide a phone number for a rental place. Um, yeah. Hey, call these guys. They'll drop it off at the house. They'll pick it up when you leave. Super easy. It does count towards one of your cars. My, where my house is located, I have a maximum number of vehicles and they are seriously strict about it. I mean, if you if they come by and see one more car than is allowed at my property, I'm in deep doo doo. Okay, so I just make sure that they know that that does count as a motorized vehicle, um, and that's kind of how I handle my system. I know Chuck does have a golf cart, so I'll turn it over to him, um, and then if anybody else, uh, but Chuck and I have talked about this extensively. So go ahead, buddy. In our case, we we inherited it with the house when we bought it, and um, we don't actually own the cart. It's provided by a third party. They have their own agreement. Uh, my attorney's been over it, and he's as comfortable as possible that we are separated from it. Um, they handle everything. They handle the maintenance. You know, if I if something breaks, they come out. And actually, their service has been great, and we just pay them a monthly fee. Um, in essence, we are paying the rental cost for the guest, um, but it's it's done in a way that we're outside of liability. Um, having said that. I made sure that our insurance company would still cover us <laughs> in the event, uh, you know, they, they found some creative way or, or somebody forgot a period on a sentence and uh, it opened, it changed the meaning. So we're covered for insurance. Attorney's good with it. I don't have to worry about maintenance. I don't have to worry about anything with that cart, except as Luke says, it does count as a vehicle. And in, in places where you're limited to number of vehicles, uh, that can be a problem. So, um, uh, furthermore on that, just in case anybody watches this and gets mega obsessed, which we would encourage, I think obsessed is a wonderful thing. I did call Chuck's cart guy and inquire about renting one from him. Um, and the the price he gave me was three times what Chuck was paying. So I think Chuck's got a sweetheart, uh, grandfather deal there. I was not able to duplicate his deal. Uh, it's and if the Hawaiian I shirts. That's probably what it is. <laughs> if I were able to duplicate it uh, and get the deal Chuck's got, I probably would have gone for it. Uh, yeah. I really would have because uh, uh, he's got a sweetheart going on there, but uh, I wasn't able to. So I just went with the, uh, here's the phone number, give him a call. Uh, anybody yeah. else have? In Panama City Beach, there's all kinds of cart rental places, yeah. you know, and little, those fun little scootery things, whatever they are. So just let them do that there. Yeah, exactly. They're all over the place here. It's like it's on every corner. So. One more thing, enemy. It's all about the enemies. If you're in an area, if anybody happens to be watching this, that every single one of your neighbors has a golf cart, you're going to need a golf cart and you're going to need a system for that golf cart. Yeah. In our areas, at least where I'm at, it, it is not the norm. There are a few that have them. 
but uh, I can still compete. I can compete heavily uh, without them, which uh, I guess maybe that leads me to bicycles, Avery. If you want me to just parlay that into another subject, I do yeah, have bicycles. Right yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said, you know what? Let me just uh, take this little space in my driveway that would have been a golf cart, and I've got four bicycles, um, and I do what Chuck uh, does with the cart. I rent them. Uh, they'll bring brand new bicycles generally, um, and they're brand new and they give you a little rack. Uh, it's not cheap, but I do find value there. Um, nobody ever really asks about them, but, uh, uh, every time I go over there, the, the locks are different than they were the last time I was there. So they are using them and they're in really great shape. And also because I'm renting them, there's a phone number on the bicycles, uh, if something is wrong, the guests can call directly to the guy. He comes the day of. Um, and again, it's not cheap to get that, but uh, I think it's really cool service. And I've got these really cool beach cruisers, um, very very much like if you were to go to a tropical destination, like uh, when we, when Avery and I were in Mexico last time, uh, they had them at everywhere you went, and uh, similar to that. Um, but I've got them at my house, and and uh, and I would recommend that. Or you can just buy them yourself. But my 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 problem with that is then. Who's going to maintain the tires, et cetera, you know? Yes, I do recall, Luke, you oh, making me ride a bicycle seven months pregnant. And I were thought, you pregnant? I, yes. <laughs> and I thought we were just going to go like down the road, but you were not it, that it, pregnant. No, I know you you're right. I was and stuff. That was the next. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but you still had me riding a bicycle, which I'm not good on a bicycle, guys. I grew up on a gravel road down like a highway in Mexico. Not good on a bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I've I called a cab to come get me and put that I thought it was amazing. We went we swam in the cenote. Cenote was amazing, but well, the, we went to like six of them and then we went and got margaritas and we went to another cenote and we were on these bicycles and there's a beach on a highway. It was, <laughs> it, it was incredible. And the guy uh, that wanted us to give him our passports to hold to rent the bikes. Well, that's how it started. We were gonna rent a motorcycle and the dude wanted to hold my passport. I'm like, I'll take the bike the bicycle. <laughs> anyway, a lot oh, of areas go on the coast that really aren't that bike friendly. There are some communities that are. There's there's a big stretch of 30A that is, but like on the on the east end of of the Emerald Coast where I am, we're not bicycle friendly. Mm-hmm. I did have a bicycle at my very first rental property that was my personal bike, and the very early on, uh, the renter said. Well, we can't find your bike. And I said, what do you mean you can't find the bike? It's right, you know, blah, 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 where it is. No, we put it in the front yard when we went uh, out to some bars. And when we came back, it was gone. Yeah, you basically (laughs) gave my bike away. (laughs) So I had to, you know, that was early in my uh, renting experience. And I had to file a claim and I had to get a police report. And I was like, I'm in Houston at the time. And I'm like, what is this Mayberry? I'm going to call the police to come make a report about my stolen bicycle. <laughs> they came, they made a report. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with bicycles. But my area is not bike friendly bike. You know, we're not set up for that where I am. So I don't worry about that myself, but there are parts of the Emerald coast that love bikes. I mean, you drive down, down 30A and everybody's got a bike. Yeah. yeah. I bike ride all the time. I love it. And yeah. A lot of the drivers are not bike friendly. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what you have to be careful of. Because 86% of them are, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and just to, clear, just to reiterate what Jan said, I agree. I've got three houses in this area. Well, with it, give or take, in, in, the, in the Emerald Coast area. 
And I only have bicycles at one of them. Two of them, they wouldn't, they just wouldn't work. Uh, one of them, I don't have any space for them. And the other one uh, is all, the roads are basically sand. So you wouldn't be able to get anywhere anyway. So yeah, it definitely is a micro market dependent. Yep. Yeah. It does depend on the immediate area. I mean, yep. you know. Yeah. All right. So what else? What are some other things that we might have to deal with? So we've gone over storms, conditions in the Gulf, whatever that might be renting bikes and and golf carts have gone over pools uh what else do we run into animals so and i when i mean animals i mean like lizards and palmetto bugs and things that people aren't excellent topic (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know like I, i actually one of my uh clients what he closed in the summer and he's getting his house ready and he wanted to know what's up with the lizards? Is there some infestation? And I'm like, no, it's just lizards, man. We just live where lizards are. And I don't mean like the big iguana things that you see down there. I'm talking about the little tiny things. So sometimes, I, I mean, it's not, there's not problems, but I've had guests alarmed because they're not used to the wildlife that we have in Florida. And and it's minor, but, you know, it's it's humorous to me and it's not a problem. But I think that we need to consider it because, you know, if you're if you're an owner from California or Washington State, you're going to have you know, you, you're going to be surprised by some things. So, yeah. you know, there's the big palmetto bugs. They fly. They look like cockroaches They're You know, you want to do regular pest control. Obviously, you don't want these things in your house, but it's not like that. I'm just talking about what's outside the house. Yeah. As a Yankee who moved here not too long ago, well, the first few lizards I saw, it kind of freaked me out a little bit for a second. But then you just get used to them. They're little. They run away. They're, they don't bother you. But they Actually, they're beneficial. They, they eat the bugs. Yeah, exactly. I think they're adorable. I I love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they can't end up in your swimming pool. And if you get somebody coming down from Ohio that sees a lizard floating yeah. belly up, you know, the, so I let them know, hey, you might find a lizard in the pool. We're doing the best we can over here, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've got twice a week cleaning and the next guy doesn't. I, he's only got once, if that, you know, so. One thing I'd like to mention about the hurricanes um, for people that are in contract to buy a property. One thing we I need to point out is if you're in contract to buy a property and we're in hurricane season and a named storm is named in the market, you need to get your insurance bound sooner than that. Because if it's named, they stop writing policies for several weeks. So I make it a point for my clients, you know, to get their insurance bound as quickly as possible. Yes. That's not something we want to encounter at all. And just in case, just to further uh, point that out for Midwesterner like myself, that happens in the fall. So if you're shopping in the fall, be advised, Yep. get your insurance uh, sooner than later. Palmetto bugs. One more thing on that. They are inevitable. Okay. They're, they're just going to happen. And so you need to keep up on that management wise. Yes. Your pest control needs to be getting over there as often as possible. Um, but they, uh, they do happen. I mean, they're just, they're like, a they're, they're like the state bird, you know, the, it's technically a cockroach. Uh, I think the, they're called the Florida wood cockroach as a matter of fact, but, uh, we have this sexy name for them called the palmetto bug and uh, they are, they're big, you know, they're, they're about cockroach size. So be, be advised that they are a thing and they're going to happen. And I mean, I let my guests know you probably are going to see palmetto bugs, you know. Well, and I tell I tell my guests if I've recently had pest control service, I tell my guests we had pest control service last week. You may see some dead cockroaches. Dead are better than live. Yeah. Okay, so 
It's just, you know, it's it's inevitable. It's not like there's going to be a thousand of them. I mean, there might be one or two, but that's actually evidence that I'm taking care of my property, not evidence that there's a problem. So I, if I've had pest control service, I try to make sure I let them know. And I do have bingo. Dead bugs mean that I'm getting my house taken care of. Okay. Live bugs. That's not good. Not as good. It's better than a mouse or a rat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that is true. But I had properties when I had properties in Manhattan that that was a common occurrence. And oh yeah, and then they die in the wall, and you smell yeah. them for three days, and, and there's smell. nothing you can do. Yep. <laughs> you don't have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you just to... a rat czar to take yeah. care of the rat problem. Oh yeah. man. Yes, oh. you're right. I had to become a expert in extermination, so I went around every property with steel wool to plug up every single hole. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it works though. They don't, they can't get through steel wool. You, you might also see in, in our area raccoons, you might see possums. Um, yeah. you know, it's just the natural wildlife. They're not going to come up in your, I had a, I had a client one time ask me about alligators. So do they just come up in your yard? I was like, no, they're not like stray cats. You know, I mean, <laughs> there are, there are, you know, alligators in florida but that is not a pest problem that that's not but it was funny to me i tried not to laugh but it was yeah, this isn't tampa <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah but we do have alligator but yeah they're not like they're not just walking around you're not just gonna run up in your yard and steal your burger off your grill <laughs> and we um, have black bears <laughs> yes we do we that is a thing too so a lot of people forget about that they think that's a mountain thing you still do it and can have bears get in your trash. It happens we to get us. Them out of the house we live in. Yeah. yeah. I actually looked it up. Walton County, I think, uh, which is, you know, one of the areas we're in here. Um, uh, I think somewhere around 110 bears. Uh, and they, they actually said that the, they would prefer the population was right around 200. So it's lower than what they would like. Uh, and they're very protective of them as, as you would imagine, but we get them. If you leave, if the neighbor, if all my neighborhood, which is only like five houses, leaves the trash out for enough days in a row, uh, they'll come hanging around and, uh, um, that's not good. So you got to put your trash in the garage. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else? So we've gone over potential wildlife, anything else that you guys run into fairly often around here that I feel like listeners would benefit from hearing about? Um, the beaches themselves, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, some of them are going to be beach service or not beach service, uh, is something to keep in mind. And what I would recommend there is just go down to your closest beach from wherever house you're buying and and poke around go down on the sand is there a beach guy down there he's going to be there you know even if there's a storm he's but he's just gonna be sitting there on his phone doing nothing um maybe not in the winter time probably won't be there in the winter time but uh what they do is they they'll rent you a you know chairs and an umbrella and uh and it's actually you know in most cases depending on how fancy your beach is it's fairly reasonably priced and it's awesome because man even just a half a block carrying that stuff can suck you know so uh to my in my opinion um it's worth it, even if you're frugal, to to go ahead and and because that's why you're there to enjoy your vacation. And the chair and the umbrella are 100. If you don't get the umbrella, you're going to get your ass burned anyway, right? So, um, I would go down there and see if the guy's got a phone number. Sometimes they're privately owned. Sometimes it's a bigger company with a different guy all the time. Sometimes it's the same guy all the time. Um, see if they have a phone number. Put it in your guidebook and let your guests know. Hey, if you want to really enjoy your vacation, you might want to consider uh, renting a chair. You don't want to rent a chair, by the way. Those guys have territories, you know. So, if you're not going to rent the dude's chair and his umbrella, usually you have to sit, uh, you know, 20 yards the other direction because that's his territory, basically. Um, uh, not all the time, but uh, 
but but sometimes there can be a territorial uh, situation going on there. So uh, anybody else have anything to add on that? It's like the chair mafia. Yeah, Jersey over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, as as a host in some areas, you can actually get in touch with these companies and pay for a year of beach service. And then you give a code or a coupon to your guests and they go down and boom, it's set up for them. Um, that's usually associated with HOAs, but not always. And I think that's better when you have a condo or or a, a community on the beach because my property is in Panama City, not Panama City Beach. But the first year that I had my property, I did rent two beach chairs for a year. Really, I did it for myself, but um, I offered it to guests. And because I'm just not close enough to the beach, you know, it wasn't it didn't the guests didn't end up using it. And so it was a waste of money for me. So I didn't do that, but I can guarantee you as a local person, I would much rather take my $40 and walk down there and give them $40 for two beach chairs and an umbrella for the day than lug my stuff if I can get away with it. So, you know, I tell people, I tell my guests where I like to go to the beach since my property is not beach adjacent. I tell them where I like to go and there are beach chairs there and I definitely recommend them. Great idea. And also you can provide your own beach chairs. I do have a little wagon. That's the oldest from Chuck. I got a little wagon and, uh, so I get those Tommy Bahama backpack chairs from Amazon. They, they're very expensive unless you buy them within like a three-week period in the spring. Then they're cheap. Um, and uh, and I do provide those. I get a new ones. They get rusty as hell. So I get new ones every year. Um, and uh, again, to me, I'm leaving those at the house and going and renting from the guy. But um, it probably is nice to, to have those available, Chuck, if you want to. Again, I stole that from you if you want to elaborate there. Yeah, we, we found it really works. You know, not everyone has the money to do that all the time or um, the beach service uh, near one of our homes. It's uh, it's fifty eight dollars a day and it's two chairs and an umbrella, but we sleep six. So, you know, if, if you have six, you probably want at least maybe four chairs. It starts to add up really quick. You're here for a week. You're renting chairs every day. So we give them the option. We provide the same chairs. We get we get a whole season out of a set of chairs usually, along with a a, a beach cart and some random toys and uh, a, a couple of boogie boards, and uh, people love it. I mean, they comment on it, um, so yeah, they have an option. Also, I provide a cooler, mm-hmm. and I always encourage. And in my in my um, the guest communication automated messages, I say, you know, please feel free to leave beach toys that you have purchased because they'll come and buy sand castle equipment and you know little shovels and floats and things pool noodles and i say please feel free to use them leave them for the next guest if you don't want to travel home with them because Mm -hmm. they they can't always take them with them and so i end up with an assortment of things and you know we just keep it weeded out and keep them hosed off and clean and they're available for people to use yeah yep exact same thing here yeah, we do that as well. We have to filter out the inflatables, though, because our insurance company doesn't allow us to provide anything inflatable. Interesting. Yeah. The other thing about the beaches is, you know, we have a concept here. It's not very common across the country of private beaches. And, uh, you know, where that house on the beach actually owns the property down to the mean high tide line, I think it is. Um, and, you know, that can have an effect on how much of the beach you have access to. You got to kind of watch that with where you buy, because if your guests have to go too far to go or have to go too far away to get to the public access, um, makes your place a little bit less desirable. Yeah. And one more thing there, uh, similar uh, topic, but slight subject changes. On-street parking is uh, 
almost unheard of in most of this area. Um, so a lot of times when you're looking at a house, you, you want to keep in mind how many parking spots. I mean, Avery and I make a joke occasionally that we're not even renting our house. We're renting our damn driveway, you know, because <laughs> parking is, is it's unheard of. It exists here. Um, there's very few public parking area spots and you got to get there really early in the morning to get them. Yep. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mean, just, just, just something to keep in mind. That's uh, that's another reason you're buying this house is because nobody can park on the street. They can rent your house. They get to somewhere. They can walk to the beach. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, so keep that in mind. There's nowhere to park. There's no like pay by the day parking areas anywhere because the, the real estate's too valuable. And that's why when, when looking at homes with clients, you know, proximity to the beach is always an important aspect because the further they have to go, the more hassle it is to get there. Yeah, you can't buy a house three miles from the beach and then drive to the beach and park. You can't do that. It has to be, the house has to be walking distance in most cases. Yeah, Destin has, um, uh, and Okaloosa County and Walton County as well lately, they've been doing a good job of trying to buy up beach property and put in parking, but it is never enough. Never. You know, at, we get about 20 million people a year visiting us here across you know the Emerald Coast and there might be, if you added up all the public parking, there might be 500 spaces. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's this is a consideration, too. If you if you buy a place on or, across, say, across the street from the beach, you know, you're, you might have to be dealing with people parking in uh, on your property. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, um, the public parking that they're adding is making it worse because now you got all these cars driving around that are trying to find a parking spot. And it used to be they didn't even bother. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So in, yeah. in Panama city beach, we've got over a hundred public beach access points, some of which you can park at most of which you cannot, but you could park a golf cart or a bicycle. Um, yeah. we also have several parks, um, Rick Seltzer park and the state parks and things like that, that you can, you know, for a car entry fee, it's like $8 or something. You can go in and park there. Or, you know, in a lot of Panama City Beach, uh, especially lower Grand Lagoon area, everything is walkable. So you can walk to a public beach access in a pretty quick amount of time. That's a good point. And, you know, up in the Destin area, we have Henderson Park, which is, uh, I mean, people rave about it. And of course, we have top, well, we have Topsail Park, but you can't really park very close to the beach there. (laughs) It's still a haul from the uh, park's parking lot. So, yeah, you got to take a tram. Okay, so let's talk about insurance. So we went into this a little bit on the analysis, the common expenses call or common expenses episode we did. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about how we kind of have to manage our insurance once we're already up and running and changes that happen. And and what do we do when that happens? (laughs) It sucks. Uh, It's a hot topic. (laughs) I think the the biggest issue we've been dealing with lately is uh, insurance carriers uh, discontinuing their business in Florida, usually after some storm is hit somewhere in the state. Um, you know, And then you've got tens of thousands of people all jockeying to get new coverage from the companies that remain. Uh, you know, Insurance agents tend to get overwhelmed. They're slow to respond. Um, and your price is going to go up. Every time you change insurance down here, your price is going to go up pretty much unless you drop coverage. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when looking at properties with clients, you know, staying in it. So you can never gauge insurance rates. It's always, you have to reach out for a quote. It 
I'm not even going to venture to guess what it could cost. Um, but some of the things that help is the age of the construction and the age of the roof. The newer the construction, the better your insurance premium is typically going to be because the building codes are more wind resistant. Um, but that's kind of the, <laughs> the best kind of guidance I could give clients without kind of getting my way into what an insurance agent does because it's it's the wild west. The main thing I tell clients is to, whenever you see a cost to own document and they include the insurance rate, do not assume that will be your insurance rate. It will not. Absolutely. And I, I've had to argue with, with people about that, but yep. it's going to be a whole new policy. It's just like taxes. You're not going to pay the same tax rate. You pay the other person paid the, the current owner. You're not going to pay the same insurance rate at all. Absolutely. There may be flood insurance required. It depends on where the property is located. Just because we're at the beach doesn't mean you need flood insurance. Some properties do, some properties don't, and that's specific to the property also. Yep. And that also gets into whether you're required to have it or whether maybe you should have it. And that's a decision that pretty much only you can make. <laughs> um, we also seem to run into more here, and I've got experience in several states, but there's a huge emphasis here on the age of the roof. And you know what can be very frustrating is to uh, you know look at your roof and go, hey, that's only twelve years old. And your insurance company comes back and says, mm -hmm, it's over ten. Uh, you know, here's a big number that goes along with that. Yeah. Or you can replace it, drop your insurance rate. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're you got to debate. You know, what's the best thing to do? And yeah. you're looking at a roof that's twelve years old, it's guaranteed for thirty, but the insurance company is saying no. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have to differentiate between insurability of the roof and the age and the useful life that still may remain on the roof. So that's kind of, it, it becomes an inspection issue, really. Um, and it's a touchy subject. And that's one of the first questions I ask of listing agents when reaching out about a property is what's the age of the roof? Because I want to know what we're getting into from the beginning. Even with tile roofs that might be able to last 30 or 40 or 50 years, that doesn't matter because the insurance company is not going to write it uh, if it's 30, a 30 yeah. year old tile roof. They're not going to write a policy on that. Yeah. And, and some of the research I found out is they actually don't like the tile roofs because they could fly off. I um, personally don't like tile roofs because I don't like the yeah. way they look. It looks very like yeah. Yeah. Britney Spears house in 2005. Uh, well, first of all, first of all, I agree. But how the hell do you know what Britney Spears looked like in 2020? 2020 oh because I was the right age to care about that. No, um, <laughs> knew it. How she was living. Like, in? Everybody, all, everybody bought Mediterranean houses back then, and that was like the thing. And it kind of looks like Olive Garden now. <laughs> anyway, I just I don't like minute, tiles. I don't I like Google her address or something. I mean. No, do you, if you follow her on Instagram, uh, <laughs> she pictures of her a home? Mediterranean house. Yeah, and it's very like Olive Garden-y. Well, she can afford to pay for a new roof, though, so we're yeah, not worried. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, her dad can. Well, here we go. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, just I don't, I'm the Mediterranean thing yeah. bothers me, but that's just my own personal opinion. I don't like Mediterranean houses, so. <laughs> I agree. I'm not a big fan of those yeah. roofs either. They look yeah. a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that we think that our uh, listeners could benefit from hearing about, they may or may not care about. Britney Spears used to have a condo in Destin. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even if there is more to cover, it's probably a good good note to end on. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll say one last thing, and that is, despite anything that we've said today, this is a very affordable beach market. I can't believe that, you know, at least in Panama City Beach and places around here, that you know that we can have 
a, a home in as close proximity to the beach as as you can for you know a few hundred thousand dollars. So you know it's you got to balance all that where you know you might go to another state and you can't even get within two miles of the beach for under several million. So you know all there's there's balances to all that. So don't let yeah. anything you said deter you. We just are trying to make sure we cover everything, but it's the affordability yeah. is still great. I have that I have that conversation with my clients all the time. I'm I'm used to going to the Jersey Shore and the home prices there compared to the beauty of the area here. And as an investor, this is an eight month market as opposed to the Jersey Shore, which is three months. Not many people do short term rentals as a business at the Jersey Shore, but the prices are still higher than they are here. And the beaches here are just more beautiful. I just don't see the comparison at all. So right. Well, hold on. I uh, don't, I don't want to think that you can get into Destin for a few hundred grand. That's not. No, 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 no. I said Panama City Beach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but even if you get a even condo in Destin for a few hundred grand, you can. Maybe a condo. Yeah. Condo, yeah. you can. Yeah. Yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, the pool <laughs> heater thing. You're going to need a pool heater today. They're super techie. You can get it connected right to your phone. Turn it on and off from your phone. Uh, don't worry about that. I don't want to spend too much time on that. You're going to need a pool heater. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, if you want to buy a property for a few hundred dollars, a few hundred thousand dollars um, <laughs> or on the Emerald million, Coast, <laughs> Luke, stop scaring everybody. You can get a condo for a few hundred. Under promise. Yes, you can. Uh, okay. So anyway, if you would like to buy a property with us, which Luke has made really unattractive by his comments that he continues to make, uh, then uh, email us at agents at the short shop.com. Or if you just have more questions, you can come to our open office hours every Thursday on Zoom. You can sign up for those at strquestions.com. And you can join our Facebook group. It's called Short Term Rental, Long Term Wealth. Same as my book. Thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you next time.